Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! Crowdfunders, settle in, settle down. Here we go. We are on a new episode. It is Thursday, June 18th, and we're coming at you. That's right. So if this is your first time, I want to welcome you and introduce myself. I am Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, CEO of Woodshed Agency, and this is my podcast. And we talk to project creators either while they're in the middle of a campaign or their campaign has just ended up. And the reason we do that is that we like to have the most up-to-date information on what you need to be doing to be successful in your campaigns. So with all that said, today's episode, we're sticking in the musical instrument genre that we've been all week, uh, and we're going to be talking to Sam Force from the company Roadie 3. Well, I guess the company, I think the company is just Roadie, but this is Roadie 3, the next generation automatic instrument tuner. Now this campaign, this was a fabulous conversation. They've run multiple Kickstarters, so it was great to kind of get some insights as to what they're doing to be successful right now. And they've got about seven days to go. They're currently at $331,000 with over 3,000 backers. So a lot of people are diving into this. So very, very cool campaign. So again, I definitely recommend you guys sticking around because we are going to get into the weeds on what it's like to run multiple campaigns and what it's like to run a campaign in the middle of, you know, multiple pandemics in the world. You know, just that little stuff like that. So, like I said, that stuff is coming up in in just a moment. So, what else is going on? Well, I'm gonna be frank. I'm uh, I'm a little tired today. Yeah, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling business ownership day. Right? Those happen once in a while. I've um, I've been kind of canceling some of my uh, my calls today. I just don't want to talk to anybody. I'm I'm in the weeds. I'm just working. It's just one of those days, man. You know, they pop up. They happen. Doesn't probably doesn't help that I had a couple drinks last night and it's carried over to the next day. But I'm just it's I'm just in this like blah. You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys ever get those? I haven't had one in a while though. This is the first time, and I think it's just that uh, just just hustling again. Back back to being hustling, and now that's starting to creep up again. But you know things are all right. You know I'm just you know it's just having those one of those days where I'm just just not feeling it. I will, however, say. Got some good news. Um, if you remember from a few weeks ago, I think I discussed that our uh, the one Wenzelway water park was no more. Chipmunks ate it, um, and it was it was a tough day when I opened up from the winter. You know, I got the winter stuff out. Or excuse me, the summer stuff out from winter, and I got the old uh, water park out. And there's big old holes in it from these freaking chipmunks, man. So I try to patch it. I try to set it up. Didn't do it. So I've got a surprise actually for the kids today. The new One Wenzel Way water park is being delivered here shortly. And I'm going to set it up for this weekend because it's going to be hot. And they're going to hopefully go and play and get wet. So yeah. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why I don't really want to work today because I know that I got that coming. It's going to take me a little while to set it up. Um, but I think it should be very exciting for the kids because I told them that we weren't going to get one or we weren't going to replace it. And I decided, you know what, screw it. What else are they going to be doing this summer, right? And if we're going to have some friends over, we're outside. There's no doubt about that this summer. So I made the investment. I picked it up. So it's getting delivered today. So that's exciting. How about that? One Wenzelway Water Park 2 is coming at you. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if that's a, a hit. Hopefully it is. 
Um, but again, with it being in the high 80s and 90s for the next three or four days here in Michigan, we're gonna have to get wet. So got that going on, which is exciting. What else is what else is up? Well, I am gonna get back into doing some mastering work in the audio space. Uh, speaking of audio, um, I just ordered a couple pieces of gear to, so that I could kind of get back to where I at least was when I had the had the Detroit studio, uh, and I'm going to start mastering some stuff out of the church world. I'm going to bring some files home with me this weekend and and see if I can't sweeten them up a little bit, you know, put a little bit of fuzzy fuzzy magic on it. But I'll tell you, I'm getting more and more thinking that um, a, a nice mastering facility would really be cool. You know, just I just worry about two channels most of the time. I want it to sound good, level stuff out, make it a little bit bigger, a little bit wider. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to take on this project. So again, I didn't have to get much. I've still got gear. I'm looking, literally looking at speakers right now that I, I have left over and stuff. So, um, you know, so I'm I'm excited. I'm gonna to try that and kind of kind of get back into that whole world a little bit. We're gonna see how that goes. So uh, I'm mixing on Sunday this week at the church, and then I'm gonna bring, like I said, bring the file home. But the other big news, I guess it's big news. I don't really know, but is next week I'm gonna be starting a food therapy program. Yeah, that's right. Uh, once a week or so, I'm going to be meeting uh, with a friend of ours that does food nutrition therapy. And it's not about dieting. It's nothing about that. It's about uh, the relationship with food, right? Like my relationship with food, what it means, h- how does it work? So I don't really know much more than that, but uh, I, you know, we've been working with, I think I've talked a little bit about the dreams that we've been having here about, you know, the, the dad dying and all that sort of stuff. Right. And, and so we've been kind of equating it to me, uh, dealing with my own mortality and how food plays a part of that and what we have control of, what we don't have control of. Um, and, and maybe thinking about how that just fits into, uh, your thought patterns, you know, what, how does food equate in all of these things, especially in my world where I'm back and forth being busy all the time. It feels like I'm always quick eating. I'm always just, you know, food is just like, I I just sit down, I just gobble it all up and then move on with my day. Right. Uh, In fact, I mean, I'm recording this right now. It's about 12, 15. I'm hungry. I'm going to go home and have a very, very fast meal because I am, you know, I've got more stuff to do. I got to get back to the office. So, you know, it's how do I take this, you know, this, uh, you know, this thing that we all need, we all have to do it. We all have to eat and have a better relationship with it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about how maybe my thought patterns are and, you know, trying to break some of the stuff that might just be, you know, uh, that I've sort of equated to Wenzel DNA for a while, you know, like, Hey, we love barbecue chips. We love sugar. <laughs> we love that stuff. We love pop, stupid stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. So I'll be, I'll be reporting that in. So yeah, going to add that to the mix and see how, how it all plays out. Who knows, right? So I'll be talking about that as we go, as I go through the process, kind of what's happening behind the scenes, you know? So yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. So I mean, I mean, look at that. I'm tired today. I'm exhausted. I already talked about how I'm going to start mastering some music. I'm going to create a mastering, uh, not a facility or anything like that, but just a little bit more of a focus around that when it comes to audio. Uh, got some new gear coming in. Got to build a water park. It's a lot of stuff today. 
a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. So if you are thinking about running crowdfunding, let's kind of get, let's get our, uh, get the, you know, some of the non-sexy stuff in. So if, you, if you're thinking about doing crowdfunding, first of all, make sure you go over to woodshed.agency right now. There is so many resources for you. Start at the blog section. You've got a ton of stuff to dive into there. If the blog doesn't work for you, you want to do something else, okay, how about this? You know, you subscribe to this podcast. Every Monday and Thursday, we've got new episodes coming out um, about crowdfunding, right? So we talk to project creators while they're in the middle of it. So if you don't want to believe me, listen to them, right? So they'll tell you how to do it. Um, If that's not enough, well, you could watch our 30-minute review shows. In fact, those are going. I have a new one coming out today, so we just talked to the Hemp Log, so new 30-minute review, and that's where I literally go through a Kickstarter campaign page with somebody, and I show them, hey, you might be thinking about this, do this, try this, these little tweaks. So again, totally free, a lot of valuable information. And if that's not enough, I'm going to give you two more things. You can join, uh, join our Discord community. Uh, click the community buttons off of woodshed.agency. We've got over 95 people talking about crowdfunding on a day-to-day basis inside of Discord. So tons and tons of valuable information going on over there. You can also find all the blogs and podcasts, even if you're just over there as well. And then again, like I said, if that's not enough, hit the consultation button. I give 20 minutes to everybody. It's my calendar link. If you've got something you're working on and you want to know what you should be doing or maybe things to be thinking about, you got to go there, right? Click it, pick a time, let's chat. So a lot of stuff for you guys to do. Um, And again, hope you guys are having a great week. And uh, this is, you know, like I said, tiring day today, but we're going to get through it. Um, But yeah, super excited for this interview too, man. I mean, Sam was a great, great guest. And, uh, you know, instead of me talking about it, why don't we go ahead and get to my conversation with Sam Forrest uh, and let's talk about the Roadie 3 I'm in my I'm in my home studio right now. I, I'm, I'm a music guy myself, so go. I do a lot of you know VSD synth stuff. And I just yeah. got my first actual synthesizer, the Korg Mini Log XT. Oh, there you go. So I'm, That's I'm, sweet. I'm in a little happy place down here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I got rid of my happy places. Now it's all um, I, I now work at like a like a like I said like a large mega church. You know where we do well mm-hmm. used to do like five or six services. Uh, um, and you know, yeah. and I I, yeah. I mix. I'm on the Digico SD9 and got my line arrays. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so I, that's that's what I do now. I used to have recording studios, uh, Detroit, Chicago. I was working out of Chapel Hill, so that was. Oh, it's a cool. lifetime ago. Wow. Then I had children. Then then kids started happening, and then yeah. you know, I got I got two of those little projects upstairs too. You know, it's like that's that's the the magic of uh, seeing yourself evolve, right? Because yeah. we have all these things that make ourselves happy yep. and that really set us off. Yep. And then when you realize that family is like this X factor magnification, that like sure it takes effort to do it, but wow, what you get yeah. out of oh, it yeah. is like so incredible. I know. I know. Yeah. That's what I tell myself every day when I'm like, I sold my microphones and my mixing boards and all my guitars. (laughs) So (laughs) yes. Oh boy. Yeah. Let's jump right on in. So, um, well first, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, uh, nothing at all. I just woke up. It's like seven 30 AM and I haven't done yet. So (laughs) it's bright and early. All right. Usually I have steel cut oats with uh, frozen blueberries with my kids. All right. All right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I forgot it's a little early for you, maybe on the breakfast side. So, uh, well, why don't we jump in? So I just real quick, I asked that question to everybody. So you're, you you know, just, I always got to ask what what was breakfast. Cool. Totally. Totally. Well, let's jump in. So why don't you tell my listeners, um, what you're currently raising money for, uh, over on Kickstarter. 
Okay. Uh, we're working on a project called Roadie 3. It's the obviously third generation of something that we've been working on for quite some time, which is an automatic instrument tuning device. So you hold it in your hand uh, and you put it on the headstock and pluck the string and it will physically rotate the headstock and tune your instrument perfectly for you. So that is, um, of course, into standard, but also into any alternate tuning or custom tunings or temperings or change your A reference or change yeah. your capo settings or a mixture of all of those things. And so as you can understand, there's a lot of things that a guitarist has to think about when they're wondering what song they want to play next. And so removing barriers from yep. that decision is a huge part of allowing people to allow their set list to flow naturally or just to feel like they're expressing themselves the way that they want to. And man, you'd be surprised how many musicians don't tune out a standard because they just don't feel comfortable getting back. You yeah. know? They don't want to mess up their guitar. So they'll have another guitar they play drop D stuff in mm. and they don't have that guitar. So sorry guys, we're not playing drop D. It's like, that's, you know, a right. thing of the past. You, you can yeah. do it with any instrument, any time, 30 seconds, and then you're there. Yeah. I mean, when I saw this, this is one of the, you're a problem solving something we have in, in our church world of, of mm -hmm. you know, we want our songs to flow together. Well, cool. I'm, I'm switching the tunings <laughs> and you know, now somebody's unplugging, leaving, yeah. coming back, putting that on, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And, you know, and then even like the the really uh, you know guys that want to do it all themselves, they're like, no, no, I got, it, I got it, and then they'll put their pick up the oh, guitar yeah. and they'll go like this. Do, 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 like, do, do, do. No, I got, hold on, hold on, hold on, yeah. turn around. Like, Dude, come on, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, we're just trying to take the pain points out, get people back to playing music. You know, there's there's definitely ways that technology can smooth the bumps out of little things in our life. Um, without taking away the soul of them. Right. People are always like, oh, you should learn a tune by ear. You know, it's the best way to learn a tune. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And how do you do that? You right. do that by listening to something come into perfect tune. Yep. So Rody will show you every single time you tune your instrument what it sounds like to bring something into perfect tune. So that ear that you're training is not only being trained with, okay, what does perfect A4 sound like? It's also being trained with what does it sound like when something is not perfect A4 and it's brought to perfect A4. Right. That is really key. And so I think it's better than a tuning fork for tuning your ear because you actually listen to the note change rather than like pluck, change, change, change. Right. Pluck, change, change. You know, so I, I like that concept and I think that it does help people um, gain the skill that we're also doing for them. That's cool. That's awesome. So now you mentioned that this is like the third uh, iteration of this product. Is that correct? Yeah. So what, what was, I guess, what changes from one to three? Like what, where are we on the, on the directory of this, of this so project? This is, this is sort of the, the moment where Rody really comes into its own and I'll, and I'll explain how that happened. Uh, Rody three is standing on the heels of the intellectual property that we were able to create for Rody one and two. Rody one was uh, an acoustic listening device. Mm -hmm. So you used your cell phone and you actually allowed it to listen to your instrument um, you could jack into your cell phone or you could use it acoustically, you know, via right. just listening. But this, of course, brought in potential for um, outside noise to, you know, deaden the sound or just make it a little bit more difficult. Also, there's that extra jump required for the Bluetooth from the phone to the device. Yeah. So the speed wasn't quite what we wanted and um, we, we knew we could do better. So we worked on using uh, contact microphones and, uh, and uh, piezos. Mm -hmm. So the piezo uh, turned out to be the thing that really worked well for Rody 2. And that took um, quite some time to get just right and make sure that the noise cancelization was perfect and that, um, you know, the new design had enough to it that we could, um, you know, bring it to the market feeling confident. And uh, so that's uh, where we kind of really grew what we were trying to build. And, and Rody 2 came into, into reality in 2017. Um, this 
you know, I'll, I'll be very candid with everybody as well. This introduced problems because we over-engineered, well, not over-engineered, we overthought part of it. That, that scroll wheel on the back, we really wanted to do something that was a tactile movement, you know, uh, to allow people to navigate through the device. Right. It just introduced too many problems. The, the, the um, spot welds, the laser welds that we needed to do for the spring steel under the button mm. um, was, was really problematic to even des- design it. Thankfully, those didn't fail. But there was this tiny um, uh, bit of plastic that could start to rub and then grab when, you, when you're pressing the button. Mm. This only happened on the first like 500 units, but right. 500 units, you know, problem like that. We've been trying to get them out of the market for the last couple of years. And, you know, so when people run into the issue, uh, we, of course, just swap it right out and we apologize right. and move on. But, you know, this is the nature of the beast. We iterate, we improve, we, uh, you know, get to the next level. So with Rody 3, uh, we removed the scroll wheel. Uh, we removed um, the so there was a manual encoder that uh, was a part of the scroll wheel, so that mm-hmm. could also potentially cause issues, which we've had some recently. So we moved both of those uh, issues, and then we started adding amazing stuff. So with Rody Three, we have a color screen. We're twice as fast. Uh, we're more powerful. We're able to store th- almost yeah more than twice as many presets, so over a hundred preset tunings. Yeah. Um, it's a really nice ergonomic design. So the, the head, the tuning head comes out the top. The, the existing design is like an L shape. So you can sort of hold it and then the, the tuning head comes out the right. side. And it comes right out the top, almost like a little, it looks kind of like a vape, you mm-hmm. know, like the round edges. Um, so it fits really easily in your pocket. Um, excellent battery life. And it has a little D-pad navigation, which we're um, really co- excited about because we can make shortcut buttons on those D-pads. Oh, that's cool. So like say an instrument that you always tune the same way and you just want to pick up your roadie and go, you can just pick up your roadie, turn it on, and hold down one of your preset buttons. And then you're already at that instrument, already tuning, and you're just gone. That's sweet. So That's sweet. We were able to put so much more into it and, uh, and just, oh my gosh, so many cool features like a vibrating metronome mode. So you can put it in your pocket and have it set to a, a you know, rhythm that you're going to play and it'll pulse in your pocket and <laughs> like give you that kick. Yeah. You know? And nice. uh, Oh, and, uh, and for restring mode, you can restring your instrument and it will bring your uh, t- string to tension and then tune it all in one step. So you don't have oh, to like, you know, right, right, wind right. it up, change it and go to the thing. So just like anything that we can do to take things that it was already doing and either connect them or simplify them or make them more intuitive or make them like, you know, automatically a part of the system, uh, we're, we're doing it. And it's been an amazing thing to do on Kickstarter because we get all this excellent feedback of, sure. you know, where our, our passions lie. Our backer community is unbeatable they're yeah. so awesome they're so engaged and always talking to us on the ca- on the campaign and giving us amazing suggestions that we immediately run with and turn into product uh, you know ideas so it's the way our company has evolved is almost um indivisible from kickstarter you know we right. really do um, think of those guys as like a part of our team and uh, we love we love going back there yeah i mean crowdfunding you know, it's anything that is taking the benefit of many and allowing it to, uh, you know, be brought to bear on, on one thing, I think that is going to be uh, incredible. As long as it can be uh, re- removed from that whole uh, too many cooks. Uh, right, problem, right, you know? right. Well, I mean, I, it, what you're mentioning is what I talk to a lot of project creators on where, you know, they're so focused on just like the money aspect. Like they just, I want to raise this capital. I need that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you're not seeing the bigger picture of like, imagine, you know, uh, X amount <laughs> of people, 500 people talking about your thing, giving you little advice. Like these are all the little things that are like not in the dollar amount, you know, that is really, really beneficial for a young company to, you know, to, to grow and to move forward. So it sounds like that's what you guys have been open and willing to kind of take that sort of feedback and run with it and continue to make products better and better. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's this kind of uh, psychological element of it too, which, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't like get too deep into the whole, like, you know, psycho stuff, but if you give somebody the opportunity to be a part of something, they're going to want to see that thing succeed. Right. They're going to want to see that, uh, you know, go farther. They're going to want to share that thing. So by including them in the creating process, we are benefiting from it on so many levels. We're benefiting directly. Sure. We're benefiting from it because we grow a, a, a better product, but the people involved actually care. You know, they actually care about what we're doing because they helped us do that thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not even uh, achievable in any other means. It's not, it's, it supersedes marketing. It supersedes sales. Yep. It's, a, it's a whole different relationship building thing. And I, I love that. Yeah. How long is the uh, time frame from that version two to version three? Like, how long are we talking in a time span wise? Uh, three years. So we had uh, between 2013 to 2017. Uh, well, so 2013 was our Kickstarter for Roadie One, and it mm-hmm. came on market in 2014. So 15, 16, 17, we did our Kickstarter for Roadie Three, and then 18, 19, 20. I'm sorry, for Roadie Two, for and Roadie then two, 18, yeah. 19, 20, Um So yeah, and we're going to ship this year. Gotcha. During that time time period of between two and three. What is like the big thing that's maybe keeping you guys up at night or the thing that you're really kind of focusing on to make sure that you do right on this campaign or like, it's just, what are you guys like? What's just, what's that, what's that thing gnawing at you a little bit? Um, well, for a long time, it was the video and getting it just right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've been working on it for like six months. Uh, we were really lucky that we, we started shooting it well before the right. you know global. Crisis. Yeah. Um, and just trying to make sure that we had the right feel for, the, I mean, the voiceover for, I ended up doing the voiceover myself. Um, we, we paid for a voiceover guy and he was sounding amazing, but the emphasis wasn't right on the certain words. Like it didn't quite feel like it was us saying it. Right. So I just did it myself because that made it more us, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Right. Um, the thing that I think that is keeping me up at night right now is feeling like I didn't do my early bird uh, backers well enough. Mm. Um, we we didn't use as many tools as we could, uh, could have brought to bear on them. I, I guess I, I out of hand dismiss a lot of the tools that get pushed on you when you're going to start a campaign. You're like, Hey, you're going to start a campaign, but you want to use my tool. You know, it's like <laughs> right, right. so many of those that I didn't give credence to every one of them. And there's some of them that would, would have been a lot, uh, a lot of help for us. Like where they top up your, um, early bird backers yeah. to increase the sense of urgency. Um, you know, we weren't able to get early bird backers to our Australian backers because they, you know, woke up in the middle of the night, right, for us. Right, right. And our, our early bird backers went in like 10 minutes, you know, like <laughs> 1,500, boom. And right. so we didn't think it was going to happen. We thought, oh, wow, we're going to do more than we did last time. You know, it's a limited number because we can't afford to give, you know, everybody this deal. It's just not financially right. viable for us. Um, but still, we should have tiered it. I should have released um, early bird backing packages at the at the wait, you know eight o'clock wake up mm. time of every major uh, market, right? And so that was my mistake uh, for not planning correctly, and I just didn't think about that stupidly, you know. <laughs> yeah, being a, there's a lot going on, you know. So um, yeah. yeah, I just I feel bad about that, and that does keep me up at night. There's a couple guys. Um, oh, you know, I don't know if this will go out <laughs> before he gets it or not, but there's this really cool. Well, I don't know. I will. There's, there's some surprises that we've got coming for some people that we're trying to like figure out ways to sort of like give them, give them a thank you that, yeah. that ma- matters to them in, in ways that's not just like a, Hey, we see you buddy. Thanks for backing us. Right. Um, right. so, you know, we want people to feel like anytime they're, they're dealing with our campaign or talking to us that they're, they're interfacing with humans. It's not just like, okay, take, you know, response 76 and send it to you know, number 54 guy, you know, it's right, like, right. I just really want our company to always feel that like, 
warmth, that tangibility, you sure. know? So it's hard to do because especially in support, you know, you have to deal with a lot of individuals and you can't do everything for everyone, but anytime you can, you know, anytime yeah. you can get someone that extra touch, it's, it makes it fun and feels good for us to do. So yeah, we're always looking for those kind of things. That's cool. Um, in terms of other stuff with the campaign itself, uh, you know, I really think that we did an excellent job uh, preparing and getting everything where, where it needed to be. And the backer community, you know, I think validated that with the first day. It's, <laughs> we didn't have any way of planning for the next couple weeks and what was happening globally. Um, but <laughs> right. you know, that first, that first day was really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, man, all my episodes, uh, you know, over these last like three, three months or so, everyone's like, we didn't know what we, we, ha- uh, we didn't expect that. <laughs> like there's always, this, right. Oh, this happened to us. It's, and it's been actually kind of refreshing to hear about the amount of people sort of, not even so much just pivoting, but just going with the flow, knowing that they can't control it, you know, um, and just being like, you know what, let's just have a successful campaign. And and we're still seeing a lot of successes. I mean, they're still happening. So oh, yeah. it's not like people Absolutely. aren't backing. It's just got to roll with it a little bit, you know? You just, you just have to accept that you are not the place that you actually want their eyeballs. Yeah. And that was a big, that was a big thing for me to come to the conclusion of like, you know, cause I was going to do a post for our campaign about, um, Black Lives Matter and about the movement, but what it came down to was the same thing with like when you hear about from a celebrity. It's not yeah. about my thoughts or my <laughs> right. campaign belief or anything else. I should yeah. just do what I'm doing and continue to provide amazing tools for musicians. And of course, we support the movement. Of course, we're there for everybody protesting, and that's where they should be is making their voices heard. So do that by all means. Do that, and uh, we'll be here when they're back. You know, <laughs> right, we'll right. have something amazing for them whenever they're ready. So. That's this where I'm at at this point. It's just you know continuing to keep the lights on everywhere else and make sure yeah. that whenever they're done making change, there's something amazing to come home to. Yeah, that's great. That's that's a good philosophy to have there. So you know, so inside of this um, was Kickstarter. I, I think my, I know the answer to this, but like, was there any hesitation at all to doing a third Kickstarter? You know, even in talking, or was it like you always knew? Listen, we're making this product. We know Kickstarter is going to be a part of it. I know you mentioned that they're kind of like a part of your team and stuff. But there's any inkling in your company at all of like, do we have to go back to this, or do can we just launch, you know, on our we, own store at all? We definitely asked the question, um, and everyone should ask the question: Do I need to do this? Is there something that I'm benefiting from this? Um, and for our point, yes, absolutely, because we want the insight. We want to include the backer community for all the reasons I mentioned. Um, uh, the more I look on the platform, the more I see very, very, very large companies continuing to use it for uh, launches. Yeah. And it seems to me like it's no longer a, a bootstrapping methodology, but it's almost like a, a justification and a legitimization of what you're building for a community. And so rather than just saying to a community, hey, I made this, like, here it is, you can include them to say, hey, I'm making this. Right. Here it may be. You know, it's just like it's a, it's a, it's a different approach. It's a different feeling of product creation for me. And so, you know, even when we make a next product, we're going to bring it to Kickstarter, even if this one sells gangbusters and we're like the biggest thing you can't say tuners without thinking of band industries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll still do that because that's why we got that point, you know? Right. So um, we have, we have something so wildly exciting coming next year that I cannot say anything about. And, you know, Kickstarter will definitely be able to see it first. And I'm really pumped for being able to share that. Um, and the reason that I'm excited for it isn't because of the money that we're going to make at all. You know, it's just yeah. because of the process. I can't wait to hear the comments. I can't right. wait to see what people um, imagine it to be, you know, and how they believe it will affect their lives. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Where, um, you know, where in this process do you know that you're ready to like 
start the Kickstarter journey, right? Like you've got your prototypes or you've gotten to a point where it's like, it's almost ready to go. Is, is there something in your guys's, um, you know, checklist where you're like, all right, we have the final, a, a prototype that's as close or we've got it, you know, all the bugs yeah. worked out. Let's start focusing on this. So we have a development process that uh, works very, very well for us. And I'll explain it a little bit for anybody that can benefit from that. Um, what we do is uh, work heavily on the software and vetting the hardware on, you know, some sort of mm-hmm. breadboard or, or, you know, non uh, I, I, in, in, uh, industrial design, similar, you know, platform. Yeah. And we've we've everything. If there's something that may affect that uh, as a part of the actual physical platform, then we'll include that. Like for instance, the piezo sensor and stuff like that. Um, once we're happy with that, um, we move directly into industrial design and, uh, uh, we work as a, as a team, basically all of our uh, high level executives work with the engineers. And so we all sort of bring our ideas to bear on it. When we believe that we have something that is, ha- that makes everybody happy that we can't poke any holes on. Um, then we begin the industrial design uh, prototyping process. So right. we'll run through probably three or four of those in house, just reprinting them in our hands, feel like what they actually touch like and, mm-hmm. and, and move like, um, and you can do a very good job of that with even the most basic 3D printer. So in terms right. of at this stage, you can do all of this at your house. Yeah. You don't have to call anybody or do anything necessarily. Right. Um, once it comes time to actually uh, building a, a PCB and putting that PCB in a device, then you're going to be using, uh, hopefully, the same house that you want to build your, your final product with yeah. because you want to make sure that any and every step that they're using is the same thing that they're going to be putting into process with your final. So get a lookalike product. You know, if it's an act-alike product, that's great. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but it has to be a lookalike. It has to be exactly what it will look like because the next thing you're going to do is once you're happy with your lookalike, you know that the functionality is there, everybody's good, then you go for your, um, your media. You, know, yeah. you do product shots, you start your video planning. I mean, you should basically, you should, you should have your video planned and ready to shoot at that time. So there's right. tons of threads that come together yeah. At this moment, that then run forward. You know, like all your marketing material should be in place. You should have your email list of your own personal marketing material ready to go. You should have your lookalike audiences for Facebook. You should have your other other well, co- companies that may be launching. You know, at, at that same time, or may like you enough to blast you out, mm-hmm. ready to go. Um, plan your product hunt. That's that's a part of yep. Kickstarter. You have to have product hunt in your playbook. Um, you know, make sure that you have a bunch of hunters that you already know are active on the platform that are going to you know like your product, not just brigade everybody that you know in the world to go join right, it because right. that will kill your score um and then yeah so you have your media going you have your uh, uh hardware prototype ready to go hopefully um you have a, a look like and an act like if not you just kind of fake the act like part um for us we did we're very mm-hmm. lucky we're not very skilled also so it's <laughs> <laughs> every part of it um and then yeah you uh you you put it all together um when you decide to say go on Kickstarter is when you, oh boy, I think it's, I think it's when you decide on a launch date for, for your um, media campaign, basically. Yeah. It's like when you, when you say, okay, I'm going to send out emails to media with an embargo that has a date. You know, that is the no going back moment. Right. Once that happens, you're going to launch. And with Kickstarter, you have to have your campaign put in there three days in advance so they can review everything. You don't have to have your video done. You don't have, to have your you know, campaign completed but at least some facsimile yep. of it so they understand what it will be like. So submit that, then they'll be, then they'll be happy, you'll be happy. Um, and uh, yeah, just prepare to sit there for a month <laughs> making sure you comment every time someone else does. Nice. Um, 
That's it. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you guys have any conversations around not launching in this time period with pan, you know, COVID and all this sort of stuff? Did, was there any conversations I mean, around maybe let's just hit the pause button until uh, who knows when? But like, you know, was there any conversation like that? If if it wasn't if it wasn't something that we could directly see benefiting people in this crisis, then we would have maybe thought more about it. But the second that we started the conversation the immediate answer from everybody on the team was, yeah, but we need to help people play music. I mean, like this is when do people need to play music? They need to play music when they feel something very intensely. So there is no more time in my entire life nor in my history that I'm aware of that that could be applicable. So we want to make sure that we gave people tools that, I mean, yes, this isn't going to arrive till October, but who knows what October is going to like, you know, so, right. Um, yeah, we, we, we knew very clearly from the start that this was something that we were going to launch regardless. Um, even, even if this thing didn't go anywhere, even if Kickstarter like tanked and we didn't make any money on it, we would have found a way to bring Roadie 3 to life. I mean, there's no way that we would have not done that. And so right. it wasn't a scary thing for us. It would be different if it was a campaign that was like, this is our first campaign. Yeah. We've already put 200K into the product. If we don't right. make it back right now, we're totally sunk. <laughs> you know, we, we weren't in that position. And so we... Uh, I'm not saying to somebody else, hey, go take a bet on everybody's future of your company just because you have a feel-good moment. You right. know, we were able to balance that with the logistics and with the reality of it. That's cool. That's cool. Well, let's flip over. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about Kickstarter, but we actually haven't mentioned this campaign. So while we're talking right now, you've got about 13 days to go, um, over 3,000 backers, and you're at $317,000 plus. So obviously, this is a yeah. big campaign. So kudos to that. A lot of success there. <laughs> Was there, um, and you kind of mentioned just a little bit about like maybe an embargo of, uh, on your press that, you know, this is when you're going to launch, but are there any other metrics you're looking for of like the amount of emails and especially maybe thinking back to maybe that first campaign, like, you know, thinking about somebody who's just getting ready to launch a campaign, you know, was there something that you're looking for of like, okay, we got 5,000 email addresses and you know, they we got surveyed or was there anything along those lines that you're like, okay, we are, you know, the data says um, we're ready to launch on that. It's it's kind of hard for me to say that about our our second campaign because it's again our second campaign. It, right. it would be different if it was our first campaign. Yeah. For our second campaign, um, we had an incredible amount of forward momentum with Roadie One, and we knew exactly what features would be like groundbreaking, gangbusters yeah. for the community. Um, we had been working on it for quite some time under wraps, and so we had done a lot of um, vetting of R and D, and so. It was for us, I mean, obviously the product was going, to, was going to come out. And so we genuinely needed insight as to whether or not these things that we that were putting together were the right things to do. So in terms of whether or not we were going to launch on Kickstarter, I just, I don't think that we were ever wondering that, you know, it wasn't a question for us because of course we needed those things that Kickstarter could provide. Right. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like sort of like take that obviously um, extenuating circumstance out of it and get to the sort of nut of the question because I want to provide a more general answer for anybody that might be thinking yeah. of, is it time for me? Um, I think that the metrics that you should be looking at are your email list, of course, you already mentioned that. You said 5,000. I think getting closer to 10,000 is important. Yeah. You can launch a campaign with 5,000, you'll do fine. Um, think about every single email as a potential dice roll. Yeah. You know, You might roll six, you, know, you might roll one, Every dice roll matters. So every email sent matters. If that one person sends it out to their network and that network is really excited, then that one dice roll was better than the other, you know, hundred that you didn't roll well on. So you really cannot discount emails, personal emails, professional emails, you know, get the LinkedIn contacts exported, you know, do everything you can, get your whole team. 
um, uh, metrics, exact metrics, um, number based metrics. I'm having a hard time. It's, 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 um, it's almost like a, a market maturity thing. I mean, like what you're, what you're presenting to the market has to be, um, I mean, obviously innovative, but like Kickstarter is kind of interesting like that. They want something that's of a different vein than just simply like doubling the speed, you know, like obviously right. we increase the speed of the product because we, we need to for other reasons. But if I was just going to double the speed and bring out Rody three, it's same design, double the speed, nowhere would I believe that that would make a good impact on Kickstarter. Right. So you have to be willing to have a fundamental improvement, uh, you know, a genuine, uh, you know, product up swing, you yep. know, if you're going to bring it to Kickstarter and if you believe you've done that, you should probably launch on Kickstarter, even if you don't have 5,000 emails, because it's a place where anything can happen. You know, right. like you could be the guy that gets brought up on high and <laughs> that people believe to be brought to the, you know, the top of the mountain. You just do not know. So yeah. I would be a fool to say, don't launch unless you have X, Y, Z numbers, right. you know, you know, your campaign, you know, your audience, you know, your product and you're your best barometer. And I know that's not as cop out answer, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get it, man. There, there's some things. Well, well, I mean, in my position, a lot of people are asking me these, like these specifics. And I'm like, there is no specific a, every project's a little bit different. Your numbers are all a little bit different. What is success mm -hmm. to you? Right. So success might be 50 grand right now and it proving validation and that's still success. Like, so there's a lot oh, of different okay. varieties in this sort of stuff too. You know? So that, that actually brings up a very good point that I should make. Uh, it depends on what you're doing with your company right now. Yeah. You know, do you want to make bottom line dollars or do you want to grow users or do you want to make yourself uh, attractive for an investment round? You know, there's a very different right. way that you would do something depending on all of those things. So if you want to grow your, uh, your audience, your, your people that actually own and use your product, you should basically make nothing on your Kickstarter sales. Right. You know, make it so your customer acquisition cost uh, just completely balances, you know? And then you just have tons of stuff out there. And like, yeah, you got to do a bunch of work and you got to pay your staff to make the product and it's going to be a hit for you. It'll cost you a thousand, I mean, a hundred thousand dollars, whatever. But if you look at how much people spend on marketing, I mean, that's why these big companies are going to Kickstarter. They could go and spend a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook ads and say, hey, buy my widget. Right. Or they can go to Kickstarter and be a part of something and like yep. an interface with real people, you know? So, uh, you you need to ask yourself what you are doing with your company. And once you really believe you know the answer to that question, then you can decide how you're going to do your campaign and when you should launch it. Yeah. What, you, what it should look like, you know? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, so in, in this campaign, has there been anything that stood out that you guys were not expecting? Like a country backing or just something that's been like, hmm, that we weren't expecting that? Hmm, uh, let's see... Well, we didn't expect our, our early bird backers to go so quick. Right, yeah. I mean, that was that was a pretty intense uh, uh, surprise. Um, I think I'm always happy to see this, but you know, you're always uh, worried that you know the campaign comments could ever devolve into someone getting upset about something. But our campaign comments have been just blindingly positive and really awesome. awesome, and people have been so wonderful. So um, that was true for Rody too, as well. And anytime you have something really positive happen, you're always wondering, okay, like when's the second shoe going to drop? You know, so that, that didn't happen. Uh, it was, it was amazing. And, uh, surprise wise, um, I mean, it's, it's just, I, everything in my brain is just like, you know, the, the, the global situations you know, <laughs> right, are, are right. so much of a surprise. But yeah. I mean, any other surprise <laughs> go above that surprise is like, 
Um, no, no, other yeah. than the complete, you know, global destruction. With <laughs> right. right. Just, those, really just that little thing. That's all. That's, that's, you know, so another thing that I think is important um, is, you know, you're, you're doing a, a campaign that's shipping worldwide and shipping mm-hmm. has can make or break your company. How do you guys sort of navigate, um, you know, where you're shipping countries, packaging, you know, that whole conversation so that people don't make mistakes. Cause I will be honest, I've probably killed two or three companies early in my time doing crowdfunding because we didn't think shipping was, you know, oh, something boy. you really worry about. Oh. Boy. So like walk us through a little bit about how you guys approach it, think about it behind the scenes, um, and how somebody could should be thinking about shipping for their campaign. Sure. Um, so uh, the first uh, well not the first, the second campaign, ready to uh, we ate the VAT for all of our international shipments. Mm-hmm. Um, that was costly for us. Uh, we felt that it was necessary because we wanted to grow those international markets, and that right. worked. Uh, they came back and backed us for Rody Three. Um, for uh, Rody Three, we are just splitting the VAT, so we're charging them half of it and eating half of it ourselves. We feel like that's a fair way to go, considering that you know people know that if they live in a country that's hard to ship to, that yeah. that's part of you know purchasing products. Um, so. That's uh, where we went with that one element of it. But just in general, how to approach logistics extremely carefully. Yeah. The fact that the word is almost like so beguilingly small and like no one really knows exactly what it means. It's like be concerned yeah. when something hides under a tiny little package <laughs> like that. You know? So yeah, logistics are the world. It's yeah. like, it's right. Somehow the one little world, you know, logistics. It's like, how do you do everything everywhere for everyone? That's right. logistics. So yeah. It's definitely important. Um, we have an incredible COO, Elias Ladiki, who manages our logistics team for us. And we have awesome uh, partners in the United States and overseas that we warehouse with. And um, we had used Amazon warehousing uh, for a while. We found that to be problematic because of a bunch of weird stuff. Like sometimes if you wanted to move stock out of the warehouse to say your customer or your other warehouse, they'll come in Amazon labeled boxes. And, you know, it's just not a big deal, but it's just one of those things where like, yeah, I know you did that on purpose. Right. So it's like, um, <laughs> I like to feel like my partners are 100% my partners, not like 96% and then like 4% for them. Um, nothing against Amazon. Love you, Jeff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but like, uh, I, uh, I think that it's nice to be able to have a logistics uh, network built out of individual shops, individual houses in the major markets that you hold. So have something... Um, in the in you know the European area, I think we do Germany for that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know obviously a couple in, in the United States. We have one in the uh, West Coast and one in the East Coast, and then um, I mean, give people realistic expectations. You know, don't say expect this inside of a week because right. it's probably going to be over a week, and it's yeah. probably going to be maybe two weeks. And the thing is, your promise broken is way way worse than them waiting for product. Right, and people have a hard time with that. They want to make people happy in the now, yep. but the now is, tan- is, is, is uh, transient, you know, and right. uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a large uh, impact for people when they feel like something was going to happen and it doesn't. Um, I don't know. It's just a, it's, it's a feeling that we've all had and you don't have to tell anybody what it feels like because we've all felt that. Same right. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. You know, just be careful that how, how to approach logistics carefully, you know, do it very, very, uh, uh, conscientiously and imagine that every box that you send is someone's day, you know, that you're mm-hmm. going to ruin or, or make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with, you know, yeah. So with, with, uh, the, the, you know, with a couple weeks to go in the campaign and then a couple weeks for money to all drop and everything to, you know, get in all the bank accounts, what starts happening for you guys to get the roadie three into people's hands? Like what's, what starts that process? 
Uh, it's already started. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to like pretend that we're waiting for the bank account to be filled with this Kickstarter money to start doing yep. any of this stuff. We're, uh, we're actively uh, working on packaging right now. We're working on, uh, you know, every element of, uh, of production, you know, we're, we're already pushing a few things, uh, you know, through, uh, tentative production lines. So, mm. well, you know, we're, we're a fairly mature company at this point. It's yeah. just different for us because we have all this stuff going. If you had to say like, okay, now we're going to go start like trying to find a manufacturing partner. It's like, that's, right. that was a, that was a very painful process. We, okay. So big shout out to hacks hacks, uh, is the, uh, um, hardware accelerator based in Shenzhen, China. And then also down in San Francisco that, uh, band industries, uh, started in, mm. I met them at that accelerator. I was a part of a different company at the time. Um, but I immediately joined upon my opportunity to as their first uh, first employee. So uh, we we've been building this company for quite some time, but using the benefit that Hacks was able to provide to us, which was living in Shenzhen, China for four months, meeting the manufacturers, going to the factories, mm-hmm. shaking their hand, ingratiating ourselves to them as humans, and and then working with those same people from that point forward. So. I, I say that you know we're a mature company, but not just maturity. We're an incredibly uh, you know well connected company based on the partners that we've been able to be mm. you know uh, uh, connected to. So yeah. um, you know, big shout out to Cyril Eberswaller and uh, everyone on the Hacks team. Those guys are amazing. Um, if you have the opportunity to go to China and to meet the people that you're going to be working with, do so. Right. Um, it matters to them, and, and and it will matter to your product because. We love our manufacturers and they definitely do us right. And we know we can trust that if a mistake is made, uh, it was done on accident rather than just out of willful neglect. Right. You know, like, Both of those things are totally possible in every relationship and you need to know which it is if you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's, I think what you're kind of hitting at too, for a lot of people is, um, you know, look at your resources around you here in, here in, uh, I'm outside of Detroit and we've got a couple of really good t- uh, hardware accelerators through a couple of colleges. And I'm always encouraging, like, listen, go be a part of these communities, go reach out. You, you know, and I think a lot of the startup entrepreneur crowdfunding guy is I, I'm just, I can do it all myself. I'll just do it all myself. I'll do it all myself. And I'm okay. always like, okay. you gotta go and in, integrate into these worlds and have conversations. Cause I guarantee you there's somebody at this thing you're going to that knows more than you do. Open your ears, listen, and don't, don't do the mistakes. And, and I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people to, to do just to be open like that. It sounds like you guys have embraced that kind of mindset uh, as a company. Yeah. Well, em- empirical data is king and it's hard to ever do anything other than seek it, you know? And so I see and, and feel the desire on those individuals to do it all themselves, to be an Island. Um, but it's so gratifying uh, to know that you've built something with the benefit. I mean, like I, I keep going back to the same theme. I don't know why, but it's like, <laughs> You know, it's the same thing versus Kickstarter versus within your own company, your own partnerships. Knowing that you were able to benefit entirely from somebody else's mind and somebody else's life, somebody else's experiences, bring all that to benefit and to bear on your product, Right. it guaranteed will be better than you doing it all by yourself just by nature of the amount of experience and, and, and data that each individual human head that is being right. moved around the world by our body, we gather that data, we yeah. gather it, we, we you know, incorporate it, we synthesize it, and that takes processing power, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the more processing power of brains that you can bring to bear on your stuff, that improves it. It really, really does. Even if your processor is top-notch, right. you know, it does help. It always helps to have more cores. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I agree, man, completely. So what does this like next 12 months look like? for you guys in the company? I mean, outside of shipping product and getting all this stuff done, but just what does it look like? What do you guys see the next year looking like? 
Uh, 12 months exactly from right now, I'll be on a Zoom call with you talking about the next totally amazing thing that we just blasted people's worlds apart with. Yeah. Um, yeah, we want to we wanna do this again in about a year with something that I can't talk about yet, yeah. but it's absolutely incredible and you musicians are going to love it. Um, we have a roadmap that we are continuing to build uh, in addition to that. So we will not be resting on our laurels. Um, anytime you build a project, you learn in the process and you are inspired and that should kick off the next process. That should kick off the next project. If it doesn't, then there's something else going on. You know, that you mm-hmm. should find out why that doesn't uh, fuel you to continue to move down your chosen path. So for us, it has, and we are just absolutely topped up and ready to rip down the path. Um, we are going to, of course, be shipping product. We're going to be, um, you know, bringing new uh, uh, partners in, in play. I'll be opening up new uh, distributors. Um, that's, that's, so my role is the VP of sales and partnerships. Uh, so I do uh, all of the outward facing mm. stuff, you know, so anyone right. that wants to interface with their company, I try to do that. And so I have a, a bunch of really exciting uh, distributor partners that are coming on uh, for Rody 3. Um, so we're going to be able to reach even more markets than we were for Rody 2. And that's going to mean that we'll be um, localizing things. And so potentially doing uh, new uh, firmwares for different markets. We may, we may do a, chi- a Chinese firmware for Rody 3. We did that for Rody 2. Um, so, uh, basically just, uh, maturing and solidifying and, uh, and like, uh, sort of rocking in the, the bedrock that is Rody three, you know, cause the, the automatic tuning world has evolved so drastically from Rody one to Rody two and from Rody two to Rody three, it's sort of solidifying and just becoming what it's always meant to be, which is a really fast, effective, intuitive, you know, easy to use tuner. Um, it's, it's truly what we had always envisioned. Um, but it takes time, you know, iteration takes time and here we are. It's, it's, it's a fantastic place to be. Uh, Oh, uh, we, we may uh, bring a roadie base, uh, into that same form factor, but we didn't do a base version of it because it would have to be so much larger for the base fork that we wanted to do something for guitarists that was just so, um, you know, diminutive and, and, and easy to grab onto. So roadie base is already at an, incredible tool for for tuning basses and it will do any instrument as well as bass so um it wasn't as important that we get that um iterated on uh, as it was for roadie too yeah and are you guys um looking at like you mentioned distributors but is it big box retail as well the guitar centers of the world that type of stuff being in, we're already, being we're already there yeah we're already yeah. in every big box retailer that you can probably name um some of them we don't have in-store uh, presence on just because it's expensive to put things on a shelf. Right. Um, but we have, we have presences in all of the major uh, music stores and overseas and you know all that kind of good stuff. That's cool. And then how about, I mean, without again getting into the details of the new product, but just as a whole for a company like five years from now, I mean, is it just, you know, all kinds of different products? Is it just kind of staying in this tuning world a little bit? Is it, um, is it growing internationally? Is it maybe making like really high end, uh, touring stuff? I mean, like what, what just is like a big five year roadmap or just like the big dreams? Um, I'll, I'll lift a tiny bit of the kimono and tell you that we are going to be experimenting on experimenting. We're going to be heavily going towards, um, education, music education. And, uh, we've already, uh, started that a little bit with some of the apps that we've been putting out. There's a, a ukulele, um, a, learn, a ukulele learning app. I think it's called Rody Uke or Rody Ukulele. Ooh, I should know the name of this. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll put it in the description. Yeah. Um, we, we have an app for uh, for ukulele players that helps them, uh, you know, strum uh, pattern and uh, fingering charts and, and teaches them certain songs. 
And so that's uh, a first step in that direction. But there'll be a lot of exciting things coming from uh, from band industries. They will continue to be relevant to musicians, and yeah. we're going to continue to try to do things that will remove barriers from enjoying and expressing themselves uh, via music. That's cool. That's cool. What's your thoughts on uh, tuning at 430? Uh, was it 432? Is that right? Oh, 432 is amazing. I love yeah. 432. Yeah, A reference equals 432 is something that every musician should experiment with. Yeah. Um, and also more than once because yeah. the first time you do it, you won't like it. It will sound weird and jangly and mm-hmm. strained and and you should push through it and, and, and keep playing songs that you think you will not enjoy in that tuning because yep. sometimes you will feel, I don't even know how to describe this. It's a different feeling. It's like a... It's like, when, it's like when something drops into a little peg hole, you know, and you didn't really notice that there was an extra spot for it to drop, but now that it's dropped, it sort of looks even more flush <laughs> right. than it was. Right. I don't know how else to describe it than that, but yeah. it's, it's, got a, it's got an unctuous sort of uh, clicking in feel that, that when you play uh, some songs on that, uh, Mark Farner from Grand Funk Railroad mm-hmm. will not go on stage with anyone if they're not tuned into 432, keyboard included. So really? you keyboard out there, learn how to tune your keyboard to 432. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's that, that yeah. a little challenging to tune to four thirty uh, on a keyboard. Yeah, it is. You have to you have to know how to menu dive. You know, there's no yeah. roadie keyboard. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's. A, I don't think it's just the one transpose button, right? There we go. No, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, but when it, when it happens, you know, I've I've seen him do. We we uh, hung out with him at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when we were touring around talking to people for roadie two. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't do that for Roadie 3 because it wasn't safe. You know, it's like, yeah. I would love to have a bunch of awesome, you know, people saying, hey, Roadie 3 is so awesome, but I don't want to put them at risk. You know, it's right. just not worth me going yeah. to their house or sending something to them that may put anybody at any kind of risk. So right. we're just going to wait until that's that's easily doable. But yeah. so we went and saw him and uh, and and he, you know, absolutely loved it. You can see on the, on the Roadie 2 campaign, he's really enthusiastic. But, you know, he went on stage and just tore it up with like the whole cavalcade of, of amazing rock stars yeah. And, uh, you know, you, everything was in 432. That that jam was just absolutely clean and beautiful. And that's sweet. Maybe maybe it would have been the same in 440, but we'll never know. <laughs> that's sweet. That's sweet. Well, I've been ending uh, every episode with sort of a lightning round since we've been locked inside for a while here. Uh, and questions that aren't about, uh, you know, tuning and crowdfunding. So if you're game for it, okay. I'll you some questions. Okay. You ready? All right. First one is, uh, what have you been watching on the uh, Netflix, Hulu, you know, that type of stuff? You've been watching anything? I've been binging community like so much. Yeah. I, I, I've been waiting on that show for the longest time because I don't know where it uh, played, but I didn't have it or something. Yeah. Uh, so I love it. It is like the, I, I, I think Dan Harmon is already incredible. I'm a Rick and Morty fan. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like I hate to admit it because the fandom was kind of insufferable, but <laughs> I like the show. I like what he does. Um, but man, this show is just continues to be so funny. And I've read a bunch of stuff about people who are like, oh, the first two seasons, the first season. Nah, it's all amazing. <laughs> it's all so good. And uh, so that's been basically my, my go-to guilty pleasure if yeah. I want to watch something that or, you know, playing a little bit of Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> nice, nice. With that new, uh, wait, this, yeah, that new PS5, I saw some images for that yesterday. It just came out, right? It's, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, Rockstar, Grand Theft Auto 6. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I got. I got, I, yesterday I got the, the son was like, I'm going to need that PS5, dad. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? He's, I'm like, you know, he's nine. Where are you? He's on YouTube. He's watching the, you know, the, the launch. Shout out to, to your son watching this podcast later. Get into PC gaming. Don't be a console head. Don't pay for that stuff, man. He's an iPad guy. 
Right now, huh? it's all iPad. Roblox is like all day, every day on his iPad. That's what. That's well, that's good. Roblox is good. Is good. Uh, you know, ramp up. Everyone gets into it somehow. You know, yeah. I, I think what was the what was the um the site that I used to go to for all the little Flash games uh, back in the day. Oh, I can't remember, but it was the same kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's like those little flash games are so fun and s- simple and, and cool. Yeah, that's right. He's got a um, hundred of them. He's just, he's talking about these worlds. I'm like, I don't know where you were today, man. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so how about, uh, how about a movie? Watch any movies lately? Let's see. What's the last movie I saw that was any good. Um, I haven't been totally wildly impressed with a lot of movies. I'll have to admit, um, you know, I mean, of course, like the big blockbuster stuff, like the Marvel stuff is always a, you know, good for a laugh, but yeah. Remember something that actually like made me really enjoy. Actually, Peanut Butter Falcon was really good. If you oh, guys yeah. haven't seen Peanut Butter Falcon, I, I love. Yeah, that I need movie. to see that. that yeah, the only film I've seen recently, and I was like, I feel something. That's real. I like yeah. it. Yeah, you know, Chadwick's a, a, a good actor and a good man. Yeah, I'll have to. I think that one was in our list of like something to watch on a Friday night. Maybe tonight. I don't know. You know yeah. Hey, you know, it's a it's a fun movie. It is. Yeah. It's a it's not like a feel good fun movie. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you see this giant spider? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Whoa, okay, guys. Nothing's <laughs> not real over yeah. here. Hey, that just is a can you see how big that thing is compared to my hand? I mean, that is what? a huge spider. Okay. You just gonna roll with that? You, you need to you yeah, get discriminated? He's, he's doing spider stuff. Okay, he's just doing some spider stuff. He's making I hope yeah. he's not making a nest in that uh, new synthesizer. He's just you know dude, I hope he's busting some fil- filthy spider beats, buddy. Get me some <laughs> Ripping polyrhythms, buddy. Get some spider, <laughs> spider scratching. It's <laughs> oh, hilarious. All right, uh, how about podcasts? You listen to any podcasts outside of mine? I know you listen to mine every day. You start, you start your I'll, Mondays, I'll, your Mondays and Thursdays off with me. But anything I'm else? Re- I'm ready to give you my big, my big admission. I don't listen to podcasts, and I'll tell you why. Okay. My children do not give me any unbroken sets of time wow. to do so. I, I tried to do it in the car with them, and they were just not feeling it. No, they don't you want can't that. get a topic that they're liking, so it's like. You know, we basically do books on tape. So, so my podcasts are now books on tape. Young adult okay. fiction, you know, from the library. We listen to, you know, seven CD books for my five-year-old daughter. And she, you know, just absorbs any and all yeah. storytelling. So, yeah. know, she, she needs that stuff. She loves it. So that's what we yeah. do with our All right. And then last one will be, is there any like um, websites or blogs that you go to for inspiration around marketing or just to kind of stay up on stuff or tech, design, yeah, I'm a, musician I'm a or whatever? I'm a big redditor. Um, I find that that is a, uh, a place that I can go to get a lot of information about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I like that I don't have to. I don't have to use it as a news aggregator. You know, I don't have to just go and hit the news clips. I can dig into the comments and talk to the people that live in those areas, and then ask them direct questions about what they're experiencing. So it's like almost a secondary way for me to be my own reporter. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. And then when it comes down to like stuff like learning about marketing and, uh, you know, what's happening in the tech world, you know, you can speak to people that are in the companies that you're curious about and they're willing to share these things with you because you're part of a community that they're also part of. So yeah, I, I very much appreciate Reddit. Um, I used to go to fark.com a lot. You're familiar with fark? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I forget the guy's name, Drew. I forget his last name, but it's a, it's another news aggregator and it has a really sort of, um, sardonic, uh, sarcastic humor for all of the taglines of the of the um, stories or something. Yeah. I really enjoy that. Like, it'll be like you know the, the tagline will be like "stupid ugly puppy" or like "stupid ugly puppy." It'll be like something like amazingly. <laughs> so it's like you know that's a dumb example, but right, it's, right. A, it's a fun way of getting your news in a sort of like a different way. So uh, you know, shout out to Fark.com yeah. too. 
Very nice. Very nice. Well, where should we send people? Like, where should people go to dive into your world? This is their first time learning about your tuners and stuff, but where, where should people kind of go um, outside the Kickstarter? So go to roadymusic.com and uh, you can check out all our products there and you can see, you know, deep dives into everything. Uh, we have a blog on that site that has more insight than you would imagine from most company blogs. You know, it's not just like, the, hey, how can we convince you to think and talk about our product? It's like, right. you know, we're musicians. We're interested in music. We like to talk about music stuff, and that's where we do that. So feel free to check out the blog. You might learn something cool. Um, and, you know, in general, just, you know, go I don't know, outside and, and uh, see the world. Don't, don't uh, get sick, but, you know, <laughs> high five a bird, you know, look at the sun. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, well, we'll leave it on that. High-fiving birds. I think that's the best way to, to end up any podcast. Well, Sam, I All appreciate right. you taking time out of your day, man. I know you guys are busy. You got a lot of stuff going on. This was a great conversation and I'm glad we could uh, dive in into the weeds. You, monstrous campaign. So kudos on that. I look forward to seeing where you guys end up in the next 13 days or so. And uh, thanks again for your time. Cheers. Thank you so much, man. Have a great day. Bye. You too, man. Thanks. All right. How about that conversation with Sam? I told you guys, it was a great one. Sam, um, these guys are veterans of the crowdfunding space, veterans of product launches and products, you know, musicians also. So a lot of stuff there. So I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Uh, song we're listening to right now is a song called Standing Still. Um, it is off the Sugar Roses collection, which you can go over to Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're getting your music right now. That's a nice little duet, right? That kicks off the album. If, if, if it, you know, first song off the album. Um, oh, also our hold music. If you ever call our conference line number, and you'll hear some standing stills. Our it's, it's our uh, it's our hold music. So, um, but yeah, okay, guys. So like I said, go to wishit.agency. Tons of resources for you. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure, you're, or you can go over to YouTube, subscribe there, wherever it is that you're getting this. I just want to make sure you guys are getting this content and enjoying it. Um, for everybody else, I hope you have a, have had a great week and are going to have a phenomenal, a phenomenal weekend. It's going to be hot if you're in the Michigan area. So, so stay cool, stay dry out there, stay wet, whatever you got to do to cool down. And, uh, I'll talk to you guys all next week. Later.
and boys will stay.